Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audiobooks, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM to get started now. What up, what up, everybody, and welcome back to On The Break, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. It is the Rest In Peace David Stern edition. I am your host, J-Mac, joined by Josh VG. Josh, what's going on, my man? Not much, man. Just same old, same old, watching a lot of NBA. So um, I haven't been able to get as much uh, NBA in recently because they put a cap on the amount of people that could uh have you have you seen this they put on the cap on the amount of people that could watch or stream league pass yep. and i had it with a bunch of buddies so yeah it's now it's always telling me yeah you're streaming too much and you can't do it anymore i've run into that but, a couple of times with that stream so i haven't really worried too much about it but i've managed to get a bunch in and everything but man hearing the intro music it, we have that very last clip about vince carter just slamming one for three and uh, or slamming one in, and like it just reminded me of this most recent news over the last few days, where Vince Carter has played a game in four different decades. Yeah, that's crazy. That's nuts, dude. So is this his twenty third season? I so he must have been drafted in like ninety nine, right? Or when was he drafted? Let me pull it up. Um, uh, I feel I like it was ninety nine, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. He was drafted nineteen ninety eight. Fifth overall. Okay. So, yeah, I guess it's, this would be his 22nd year. Yep. Wow. So, I, I thought that, and that's that breaks the record, right? I have no idea what the record is, honestly. Oh, that's a really good That's not a, That's not a stat that I have. Um, Most seasons played in the NBA. It seems like something Ooh. that we can look up real quick. Yeah, right? who would be high? Carl Malone would be up there for sure. Okay, well, so for I, <laughs> so number one is Vince Carter, yeah, at twenty-two. Robert Parrish, Kevin Williams, Kevin Garnett, and Dirk at twenty-one. Yeah, so I knew Dirk was close. I knew KG was close too. I, I had it, no idea. It's hilarious. I I pulled up. I just googled uh, NBA most seasons played, and uh-huh. the first like so it just it'll show you like a preview of an article sometimes, you know, and yeah. literally at the very top of the list says tied for sixth is John Havlicek, Manu, and Reggie Miller, but. Reggie Miller has a different number than those two do. So I dude, it's very confusing. But yeah, no, that's not too surprising. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, Kevin Carmelo isn't as high as I thought he'd be. He's at 19. Oh, um, did you say James Harden or Carl Malone? Carl Malone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was a joke. Because <laughs> they're kind of the same person. Oh, yeah. You're uh yeah, I was my bad. I totally <laughs> missed that one. It flew over my head. I had to make sure you were filled in there. But yeah, that's crazy, man. I knew that he was I I, I kind of you almost got to wonder, do you think that, I mean, VC being himself, like, he's not going to quit playing until he's done having fun, which if as long as he's having fun, even though he's been on some terrible teams, 
he's been on some really bad teams as of late. Like he's going to keep playing, and you gotta you gotta admire that. I mean, twenty two seasons in this game is not easy to do. Yeah, I mean, it's never been done before, right? Well, obviously, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so I got something from this year. Um, he's going to retire after this year, right? Yeah, he he's done after summer. this year. Yeah, yeah. I think he wanted to break that record, and he's done. Yeah, I got to have some record, dude. And that's a hell of a record like, to break. That's not going to be easy for people to get to. That is. So he's got that, and then the amount of times he dunked on Sean Bradley. <laughs> Those are his two. Those are his two records, right? Hey, you won't get any hate out of. Uh, you won't get hate on uh, anybody but Sean Bradley out of me. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I'm not a Sean Bradley guy. <laughs> Why? He was so great for the Mavericks. Yeah, but uh, he, he was he was not great. For not the that great. Yeah. He was kind of like he was kind of like a less talented Yao. Super. Yeah. Su- had a really soft touch and was just super tall, but really didn't play defense. Or he'd rotate, but he just he wasn't athletic to do anything. Like know? a poor man's Porzingis almost. Yeah, Just yeah. Sort of that big Very guy. poor man. Like a hobo's poor Zingus. <laughs> yeah, like big time, big time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's uh it's so we're like about three weeks away from the trade deadline. And there's a lot going on around the NBA. Teams have been I think that a lot of teams have settled into maybe who they are a little bit. It seems like the month of January so far has been humbling for a lot of teams and really the end of December too. Um but uh I want to get into that, but before we do that, I mean, I think we, I kind of brought it up at the very beginning of the show in the intro. I think we have to talk about David Stern. Yeah, I agree 100%. So he passed away this last week. Um, Crazy story, right? Do what? So crazy story, right? He had a hemorrhage like three weeks ago and was in a coma and finally died like on New Year's Day. I didn't hear anything about it until he had passed. I didn't even know they had a hemorrhage until I was looking at it and it said, I was like, oh, he had a. Was it a pulmonary hemorrhage? Something or? like that, yeah. But he was in a coma, and they could. It's interesting, and I, I don't want to get into the the legalities of keeping people alive in different states, and you know what it takes to pull the plug on somebody. But like, sure, it's very suspect that he seemed to be just happened to stay alive until the New Year's. You have to think that there was huh. some incentive for twenty twenty. I don't know. It just seems maybe. Yeah, the timing's interesting because it happened like three weeks before. Yeah, it kind of got overshadowed though with all the Christmas games and everything going on. Yeah, for sure. And it's I, I sent you a I sent you a um a picture of the NBA's approval rating whenever Stern was in the office. Yeah, and it was uh, every single map or every map across the United States, and every every state had given him a B except for two states. One was Oklahoma, which had given him an A, and the other was Seattle, <laughs> or Washington, Washington, which is getting him an F because <laughs> yeah. he, he allowed the C, the uh, <laughs> the Supersonics get hijacked from there to OKC. So, um, uh, man, like that is one of the black marks on his on his resume. But like, if you look at like, so he became commissioner in what eighty four, I think. Yeah, it was and somewhere around there. I'm not something like early eighties, and this league was nothing at that point, and. I mean, the fact that the the finals were on tape delay always just blows my mind when I think back of how, like, not unpopular, but just how, like, not thought of of a league this was compared to what it is now. Like, I mean, we couldn't have had a basketball show back then. You know, like, it, the, the product wasn't big. Right. He was, he was, you're exactly right, February of 84 to January of 2014. Yeah. And you're exactly right. He was, he was responsible for that explosive growth this sport has grown as fast as any other sport 
And since Silver has taken over, like Stern was a was a good commissioner. Silver's way better. But Stern did some amazing things. I mean, you're a big fan of him just because he vetoed the Chris Paul trade. Well, <laughs> I hope that Lakers fans yeah. realize that they should be glad that that didn't happen. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's another. We'll get into that with with Kobe later on. I think I think that's where that belongs. But yeah. I just, for me, it's that, so he has some black marks on his resume, but like, like, I mean, I think we can agree the Donald Sterling thing went on too long. That was, that went on way too long. Um, You know, the Seattle thing was a really big thing. Like, that's something I still don't understand. I really don't. And I, I, it, it blows my mind that the NBA is not in Seattle. We, that's something we should do in the offseason is more of like an episode over what happened there because it's a hell of a story. I'm sure you know a good amount about it. Yeah. And yeah. just all the politics that went into getting them moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City, you know, and, and all the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We get into that later. But I mean, the politics and everything around that were handled by him. And like he very rarely misstepped. And I think that Adam Silver was set up in a really good spot because Adam Silver couldn't do the job he's doing now. He's doing a hell of a job. And I, I'm sure, you know, that Adam Silver is going to miss having him around as somewhat of an advisor in these big situations of like, what do I do here? You know, and, and that that's a big loss for Adam Silver, who's been under him since he was, you know, first out of law school. And yeah. I just, I think that he paved the way so well for what was to come. And you've got to like, I mean, he was a badass about it. Remember like, he used to call into Dan Patrick's show all the time and argue with him and stuff. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And he's he was responsible for like all this growth. And he was he was the black marks on his uh on his overall career are the ones that stick out to me because they all happened in the time from when I was from high school until college, right? So right. um, but you you can't look back on somebody that had an explosive one thousand times growth and then say they did a bad job, right? Not so, at all, dude. He did a, a an incredible job like you're gonna have missteps in your career in 30 years right that's just gonna happen and the big things that we're trying to overturn right now that he instituted was the minimum age for being drafted right yeah that's not so you have to go play one one college year i understand why they did it coming from yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it just didn't pan out right um the other thing that i remember is uh so here comes gilbert arenas um (laughs) he introduced a new ball Oh, okay. In like 2006, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. It was he. So originally did a good job or had a good idea in regards to it, and that he wanted to make it more sticky so that players could do more with the ball. Right, mm-hmm. they could have better ball handling. The game would be more exciting. But players started complaining that uh, um, it was cutting their fingers. And Gilbert Arenas actually led the led the the complaints in regards to this that he really? was cutting his fingers. Yeah. Um. So eventually, he just kind of pushed it aside, pushed it aside. No, we're going with this. And then eventually the Players Association filed a grievance and made it happen and made them get rid of the ball. Yeah. But those those are the big big things that I remember in regards to Stern. Apart from obviously like he was there from I, dude, to be honest with you, sometimes I wonder if his legacy was built by Jordan. A lot of it, yeah. A lot of it, of course. Because but like he started to set up the infrastructure to have those kinds of runs. Like I, I think it was until ninety four four or five that the finals ran on a tape delay. Yeah. And, and I mean, ultimately he was the one making those deals with national TVs, but I mean, that's TV, what you right? had to do. Cause you have to crawl before you run, you run, you know, and 
No, no, no. I was, I was saying that in a good way. And that yeah. he was the one that was going out there and saying, Hey, we want these, we want to be as big as the NFL. Like but we the want... incremental growth is pro- right. important there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like th- he did a great job with that, like with marketing the product with, you know, I mean, I think he did a great job with understanding like how technology builds into this mm-hmm. and, and how people consume. He was very, very cognizant of that. Bill Simmons told a story about him where he was at a, um, some sort of like thing that he would do every year where he would get on the air and talk. I think it was probably during the all-star game or something like that. And he loved pigs in a blanket. And so David yeah, David Stern that loved makes, that makes two of us, dude, three of us <laughs> pigs in a blanket are delicious. Pigs but, in a blanket and corn dogs, dude. I will eat like a kid forever. Dude. Yeah. If I can just get those. Had those at every single meeting. Well, at this particular all-star, you know, set, you know, TV set or whatever, some they forgot to have the pigs in a blanket and he bitched about that for like 10 minutes and then would just like go back on the air and be like and we're back i'm you know david stern and you know just and then you know go off there and damn it where the hell is my you know like kind of thing like dude that's so funny and i'm like that seems very fitting he was very like he was a smart person he was a brilliant person and he Hot just dogs are considered brain food absolutely and i mean remember there were times where like he would call into dan patrick i mentioned it a minute ago and like dan patrick was criticizing how he was negotiating one of the the lockouts or whatever and he'd call in and defend himself and be like oh yeah well tell me what you would have done better here and then they would explain themselves and he'd be like oh yeah well i guess it's a good thing that i'm negotiating the player's you know, uh, deal and not you because I'm a lawyer kind of shit. Like he didn't take any shit, man. And he wasn't afraid to, to go to battle with somebody. And that's not a side of him that people saw very often. Yeah. But very interesting. And I think that's cool. I think that's awesome that he's, he would take the time out to do that. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I wish that we would have more. I would, I would love to see more of that. Just like more people talking and defending themselves in regards to, um, somebody like, Specifically, I want to see coaches and owners do that as well. I want to see like more in the minds of what these people are doing because it's really easy for me to sit here and play armchair quarterback and say that Scott Brooks sucks, right? Yep. But I I would love to have a discussion in regard with Scott Brooks in regards to how his offense is going and what what he's doing, you know. So I I'm a big fan of that. Anytime that you can let people know what's going on, like that's I'm a big fan of that. Like educating people will drive growth. Absolutely, and I think he understood that. And like I think it's really really big like that he understood where stats belong and where they don't because it gets very complicated when you start getting into some of the deep analytics of a sport and really start you know trying to derive data and trying to understand trends and stuff like that better but he really pioneered taking that to the next level as far as information that you get I'll, I'll give you an example i was at the uh mavericks were, were playing uh, the brooklyn nets they were in town the other night and i was at that game and i kept looking up at the you know at the so like they have the scoreboard and everything where it shows the points and fouls and all that stuff in the middle that hangs from the middle and then over on like the sides they have like the actual like you know where the three-point percentages are and field goal percentages are and all that information 
And I just think about how often I look at that information and how interested I am to understand what they're actually doing on the court. And I understand that's how I consume the product, but that's way more important to me. And when I compare that, I was watching the Mavericks were actually on the West Coast on a road trip and they were playing in the new Chase Arena. Uh, they are playing Golden State. And Golden State has this new scoreboard that has all of that information up on that big middle jumbotron thing. And I'm like, fuck, that's all I want to see now is that right there so I can quickly see that information and keep going. And yeah. he understood how to implement that in the NBA the right way and help owners understand how important that stuff is to fans. Yeah. And I think that th those little things matter. Yeah, I agree. 100%. So, I'm, a, I'm a stat head, right? Yeah. I love that stuff. So anything that you can do to make that stuff more available, like look at the, look at the NBA's website now. It is stat city, dude. You can look, you can drill down anything. Like people, I come up with some pretty obscure stats. Sometimes they're all pulled off of NBA.com. Yeah. And that's like, I think about that from like a baseball standpoint, because we have the baseball show too. And like, I, I spend a lot of time on baseball references, pretty popular stats website. There's a basketball reference too, but yeah. like I end up going to the NBA's website because I find it friendlier to use, honestly. And they just understand, they just have a better understanding of what consumers want. Yeah, and I think that's really impressive. And I think, I think Adam Silver's done a ton to further that in the time that he's been commissioner, which has been five years now. Hard to believe, um, but it's been five oh, years. Jeez. <laughs> and I think he's navigated through a lot of things. But I don't. I can't imagine they didn't have Stern right there in his back pocket helping him. Yeah, he's done so much in those five years. I actually thought it, I felt like it was more. But yeah, I agree. Big hit for for Silver. I'm sure that he was he was a um, a consultant. Yeah. For him, you know. And, and again, of all the missteps, you know, of the, the few missteps that happen to be very kind of public that like, I mean, you know, I will say this. We, you brought up the Chris Paul trade thing. It was really suspect to do that when you when the league owns the team. Yeah. And <laughs> that was that was a tough look. That was a bad look. Um, it, it was for they said it was for, quote unquote, basketball reasons. I I the only thing that I can think of is the. Pelicans were losing this big time, big time star, and getting Lamar Odom. I don't, or actually, excuse me, they, were, they weren't even getting Lamar Odom. No, it was I, don't, a, I don't remember what the trade was, but I mean, Chris Paul was headed that way. No, and, they were getting Lamar Odom, and then oh, and okay. then uh, Pau Gasol was going to the Rockets, and Chris Paul was going to the Lakers. So Lamar Odom for Chris Paul is not a great look Dude, for the Hornets. Chris Paul and Kobe together would have been terrible. <laughs> yeah they would have gotten a, I, those are two alphas you know dude that would have been i i wish it would have happened in that sense just to have watched it all play out because it would have been great yeah. uh because kobe was in the habit of running people out of town at that point in time anyway I, I just i thought that was a weird look but you know there are a lot of good things that you don't hear about from him too like he was like whenever you know charlotte was going to lose their team and you know they're looking at putting a team back in new orleans and everything it was like he wanted to make sure that a team remained in Charlotte. He understood how important that was. And he didn't let off the gas when it comes to things like that. And that's how they found Michael Jordan as an owner, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, those kinds of things, again, matter. Those are the small things that people notice. He understood it from a consumer standpoint. And I can't say that about a whole lot of other commissioners. Oh, for sure. I, I think the NBA has had two of the, five best commissioners ever. Absolutely. I think that I'm, I'm darn willing to say that silver might be the best commissioner in any sports ever. Like for me, it's headed and that way. Stern was a Stern was a top five for sure too. Absolutely. 
Well, rest in peace. A good life. I think he died at what seventy two. Yeah, something like that. Something he was like that. too young. Sixty seven. I think it was something like that. Or yeah, something like that. So it's still too young. Sad for no. sure. So rest in peace, buddy. Um, from Kyle Beats as well, since he's not joining us tonight for the show. He yeah. sends his well wishes as well. So um, I guess we'll move on to talk a little bit about like what we see going on around the league and what what do you. Uh, so I, I guess I'll, I'll frame it this way. We're going to talk about what's going on around the league as far as trades. But, Josh, what do you see as probably like the biggest need as far as a team goes around the league? Like what what trade stands out to you the most where you're like, this has got to happen? Like this team needs X. Uh, Dallas needs Ds and threes. Okay. That's my that's my number one need for like people that are either contenders or on the cusp of being a contender. That's my biggest need. That's the thing that I think that would put any team over the edge. And it's interesting because Dallas is kind of in that spot where they're like two games out of second place, but also eight games off of ninth place. Yeah. You know, so it's they're in that really weird limbo spot where they're moving a lot. I think there was a point like two weeks ago where the Mavericks were the second in the West, and the Clippers were fifth, and it's mm-hmm. like that is not <laughs> that that's not accurate, you know. And so, like, it, they're in that weird spot right now. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's what they need more than anything else. I just, I'm not sure. I see, a, I don't know. It, it's for the Mavericks. It's going to depend on matchups in the playoffs. That's what's going to end up making a difference for them. Yeah, I, I'm still on the. I I would be. I don't think they have any chance of going to the finals and I don't no, think no. that I don't see them getting out of the second round. I see them maybe winning the first round if they and, and on the high side, but man, this is a loaded West Denver's back up where they, where we expected them to be. I'm 100% with you. I, that the, the ceiling is a second round exit. The yeah. floor is probably a first round exit. I mean, I, that's, yeah. I mean, obviously that's all it could be, but I just, I think anything less than that's probably a disappointment. Right, right. As of right now, they would end up playing the Rockets in the first round, and that's that for me is probably a first round exit. Um, I don't as know, dude. They match as up. the Rockets have been in the playoffs historically, and they may just lay an egg. But there's just they don't have anybody that can stop James Harden. Yeah, but they've been doing the double clamp like everybody else has, and that's how they beat him by thirty last time. So yeah. I mean, they, I think I don't know that you can do that in you know six seven games. That's a problem. So I mean, yeah. It's if they match up well, then it's going to come down to like a six or seven game situation. I would think. You know what needs to happen with the Rockets is they need to like Russ and I haven't seen D'Antoni do this a whole lot, but Russ needs to come up and catch the and take the ball from Harden whenever Harden gets doubled, and then just drive at the rim because yeah. he's got like as soon as he touches it, he's got a three on or a, yeah a four on three right? right, and he's he's still an elite passer, maybe one of the best in the league, um, maybe the best in the league behind like LeBron but it just depends on that's, that's what that's what he needs to do and Capella needs to be better like Capella gets the ball at the free throw line so often whenever Harden gets doubled mm-hmm. and he's pretty soft he needs to take one or one dribble and just go to the rim and get a foul like that's what needs to happen for them to them to fix that uh double on Harden but that's my problem with this Rockets team is that they don't they haven't developed that kind of chemistry because they don't play basketball that way that's what they need to do that's just not yeah. what they're doing. It their game with like their game opens up so much if Capella was an elite rim roller. And when he shows flashes of being an elite rim roller, they're the best in the league. They're one of the best teams in the league, if not the best in the league. And but he's 
he's just so he he refuses to to will himself to do that at a consistent level. Hmm. Yeah, no, I I don't hate that take. I think that's the, I thought he I mean, is it a ceiling thing for him or is it that he's not in the right situation to grow? No, I think it's a mental thing for him because he has got all the tools that say this is an elite rim roller. Um he's big, he's he's not that strong, but he's big, he's quick and he's got hops, right? So that's what you need for an elite elite rim roller. And he's a he's a shot blocker too when he wants to be. So think like this is a prototype like Tyson Chandler guy who was a rim roller, shot blocker, defender, rebounder, right? But Capella doesn't really rebound that well. Yep. And he doesn't roll to the rim that well because he's just overall just soft, right? He doesn't if do I was it his often. coach, I would call him soft. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't do it often enough to to get better at it. And right. that's the problem. And so that's why I wonder, is it like a team thing? Like, what, if you were to take him off this team and put him with, oh, I don't know, uh, like Steve Kerr and he could develop him. Or, you know, somebody like that that, like, let, let's be honest, dude. D'Antoni's not de- not uh, in the business of developing people. He's not a developmental coach. Right. right, and that's fine. Not everybody is. And that's how you make, I mean, he's done that before. So he's, you know, that's kind of the, the seasoning of a coach, I think, is at some point, like, you figured things out for yourself and how to do this, so you have to take that next step as a coach and you have to have a team that matches that. And that's not what this team is. So, I mean, if you put Capella on like a team that could develop him, do those skills get better to you or is are we at a ceiling? I, I don't know. He's still relatively young, right? Yeah. I think he's below 24. Um, still relatively young. I, so he, he I, I would, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that he's hit his ceiling. However, I don't see a whole lot of – he hasn't gotten better year to year. So it's like when you see somebody start to falter like that, you start going, is this guy at his ceiling? Like Andrew Wiggins, we saw multiple different years after he signed his max contract where he just didn't get better. And everybody goes, he's hit his ceiling. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to get any better. Well, he's still 23 years old. He's still 22 years old. Anthony Towns, you know, he suffers from that syndrome as well. Kyle is very much on that. This dude doesn't have the dog in him, doesn't want to get any better. They're still 22, 23 years old. So you have to kind of balance the – have they hit their ceiling in regards to physical maturity and mental maturity? No, there's no way they have. But at the same time, if you if I don't see any type of progression over multiple years, not just one year, then you start wondering, have they hit their mental ceiling? Are they ever going to get any better? And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with Ben Simmons. I don't know if Ben Simmons is any better this year than he was his rookie year. I was going to say it if you weren't, so I'm glad that you did it. Yeah, I, that's last year I was willing to give him one year of pass, right? Yep. <laughs> two years, if you don't get better than your rookie year in two years, I'm starting to have real concerns about you. We'll get into Philly in a minute because I've got some yeah. some thoughts about Philly. Um, Yeah, so uh, that's interesting. I, I don't I, – I think the Rockets are a really good team. I just think they're really one-dimensional, and I think that's going to get exposed in a seven-game set. And I, I truthfully, Kyle asked me this not long ago. I think he asked us both this on the last show. Does Harden care more about getting 40 and winning MVP and I think, than winning a ring? And I think 40 and MVP is more important to him. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we're not in his head. We can't say that for sure. But it just that's the impression that I get with the way they play basketball, with the way that he doesn't really seem to want to form any new parts of his game. He just wants everything to come to him. I mean... I'm surprised West, Russell Westbrook is thriving in that environment. Yeah. I, I mean, thriving I, for what he could be, you know. 
<laughs> right, right. He's still unbelievably inefficient, right? But I'm almost to the point where I would take Jonathan Isaac and replace him with Clint Capella and think that that team is going to be better. Wow. Um, but I, I, I think Jonathan Isaac might be too small, but he's – I'm just so – I'm selling Capella stock like crazy, dude. I'm shorting that thing. It's It's bad. Okay. My thoughts on Capella are pretty bad. He is averaging about 14 boards a game mm-hmm. this year, if I was reading those numbers correctly. Yeah, 14 boards a game, which is big time. But, dude, you just got to be more aggressive on on offense. Yeah, that's very true. you got to do something there because that's going to be the biggest Achilles heel that they're going to have. Um, how, so where's your head at with the Lakers? Like they, So they're talking about moving Kuzma. And... I, it's interesting that they're uh, – well, let me back up. What do you think about that? Um, I originally said you don't do it. Uh, I think Kyle a couple weeks actually floated to us, and I don't know if he did it on the podcast. I can't remember. Or if it was just via the text message, Kuzma for Bogdanovich. And that looks like it's in the works. The Sacramento Kings are going very hard after Kuzma. Um, Bogdanovich – so it's gonna he's going to have to play a different role. Right. The thing that Kuzma can do that Bogdanovich couldn't do is he can come in and create his own shot. Bogdanovich can't create his own shot. Mm-hmm. But Bogdanovich can hit threes at a higher level than Kuzma. So it's kind of like you've got to – like if you have Bogdanovich on the court, you have a higher ceiling than you do whenever you had Kuzma on the court, but you have a lower floor because you have to have another playmaker on the court with them. Right. You didn't have to have another playmaker on the court with Kuzma. Mm-hmm. So. I think the Lakers or the Sacramento Kings could get better. And I think the Lakers could get better too. Um, but I think the ceiling is higher and the floor is lower with Bogdanovich than with Kuzma. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from the, that standpoint because I think I'm with you. I, I don't think the Lakers should punt on Kuzma yet. And I, it's just you're going to need someone that versatile in the longer term like this. LeBron thing is fine for right now, but it's not going to last forever. Like, it's just not. And sure. you, I mean, we're looking at this thing right now. Anthony Davis is their future, obviously. Uh-huh. And you got to ha- put some forethought into winning down the road as well, or at least putting yourself in position to not have him walk on you. Because could you imagine, like, we've talked about this before, and like more in jest than anything else. But think about the implications if he were to walk on that team. Yeah, and you're talking about LeBron or no, Anthony, uh, well, Anthony if, Davis? Yeah, yeah, that could be bad. Um, and that's that's why for me, I if I'm the um, the Lakers, if I'm Palinka, I'm not. I'm going all in. Chips are all in this season. Like I'm doing everything I can to win a championship this season. And I'm that, not worried about the future. And that includes shipping Kuzma out. Yeah, maybe okay. if they if they feel like they they still are not are not. Because here's the deal. I want to get as, as close as I can to ensuring that I can beat the Clippers. Yeah, um, for sure, of course. And I think that Bogdanovich, depending upon how he pans out, because Kuzma has been hurt, you don't really know a whole lot of what you're going to get from Kuzma. He hasn't, like, buoyed this team, right? Mm-hmm. So you're shipping off a, an unknown for another unknown coming in. You don't know how good Kuzma is going to be either. But I think that ultimately, if they do decide to do that, we'll see Frank Vogel will have – Come to, come to ownership and said, I have a plan for how to get Kuz, or Bogdanovich the ball and have him knock down threes. Because he shoots threes at a 
42% right. It's another 40% three-point shooter on the court, potentially with LeBron, um, potentially with even Rondo. Like, Rondo's making a lot of mistakes on his passes. He'll still have his flashes. Like, he's not as good as he used to be. Sure. Um, still a little bit s- slower on the decision-making than he used to be, but he'll have his flashes. Yeah. I Like, I, I, I promise I'm not hating on this team because I, I don't like the Lakers. I just... I don't see them matching up well against the Clippers at the end of the day, and I think that's going to... They haven't beaten them. They've played them twice. I know, and, I, and it yeah. hadn't even really been close. And uh, I, I think the first one... Well, didn't they play in preseason once and then two times in the regular season? I think they beat them in the preseason and then twice in the regular season, but I, mean, I thought the, I thought the two regular season games were close. Okay, I, maybe maybe I, I'm misremembering that a little bit, but regardless, like they're not matching up well, and I, I don't know that Bogdanovich really changes a lot for me i don't think he's a a put it over the top guy but i think if he's one of a few things that you feel like you could maybe get like a buyout guy or something like that you know to you know if that's just another piece you can add maybe that makes a difference for them but for me like all i've heard about is how this is going to be a strong buyout market and i haven't heard hardly anything about anybody getting bought out and i know we're a little early yet but usually around this time of the year those things start to work themselves out a little bit the other thing is uh, the um, Grizzlies are shopping Iguodala, too. Dude, I wouldn't want anything to do with Iguodala. Really? Yeah. Dude, he was, no, he was I know. so clutch, and <sighs> he's just a bulldog, dude. Like, he'll do, no. whatever you, he'll do whatever you need him to do. 100% with you. I love Iguodala as a guy, like, as a player. I just... He hasn't played basketball in like a year, dude. I don't. That's a good point. And I just I don't know that you can like if you so say you're the Mavericks and you add him. I think that'd be a great addition for them. It's veteran leadership. It's a guy that's really versatile that can bolt his game around Luca and be fine being a sixth man. And I think he's he would really help them a lot. He would help a lot of the needs we talked about, other than a big big defensive center. But I I would worry about him staying healthy over that time. And I yeah, just I don't, that, I don't like him for the Mavs. Yeah, really? Yeah, not not because of the like his prototype, the DN three guy, eh, pseudo three. The defense switchable defender is um what the Mavericks need. But I'm not trying to win the next two years if I'm the Mavericks. I'm trying to win in the next four years if I'm the Mavericks. You know, and and I think Igadala might have two productive years left in him. Maybe he might only have one productive year left in him. Do one at the minimum. I just I. I don't yeah, see so, him coming in and just being this like absolute stalwart that he used to be. Just yeah, no, no. Give it his history, his injury history. And that, that's not an indictment on him. That's just a health thing. Yeah, and he may prove us wrong, but I I, so. his his productivity doesn't line up with what I believe the Mavericks championship window is going to be, which is going to be. Sure. I believe it's going to be in two years. I don't think it's going to be next year. I think it's going to be a year after that. Yeah, There's but I mean. If you're them and you can give up absolutely nothing to get him to, you know, to, I mean, you're, it's a buyout candidate, right? If they yeah. can't, I mean, they're not going to be able to trade him, I don't think. And I mean, what's he worth really? Cause it's a buyout candidate. So, I mean, if Dallas could bring him in, for example, and, and I know the Lakers are a team that would, they could use his services. The Clippers Lakers could really use him. his services. Uh, the Denver could really use his services. There's, there's a lot of Denver teams. Could. He's so yeah. versatile. I just, I don't know why you wouldn't try to bring a veteran in, even if you don't. Dude, anything could happen in the playoffs. I'm you know not who saying... could really use them, him too would be the Bucks. Yeah. Just merely because he can actually run an offense. So, like, when Giannis goes to the – I would stagger his minutes with Giannis. I would say this guy's probably not going to hit the floor whenever Giannis is on the court for more than 20, 20 to 30% of the time. 
And then I would stagger his minutes and just say, Iguodala, go in and run our offense. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. That's, um, a, that's so a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I think he's a really good, like a top tier plug and play veteran. Like we haven't seen in a long time. There aren't a whole lot of plug and play veterans. What about Philly? Yeah. I, I mean, they need I'm a big somebody, fan of that as well. They need they, somebody they can shoot, man. Yeah. They, and it, for as low as his, as low as his averages have been for three pointers, he, it was like, he was automatic whenever it mattered. You know, I don't know how many times he bailed out the Warriors. I remember multiple times screaming at my screen. It's freaking Negadala. Let him shoot, and then he just drills it. Like don't close out on that. And then he, and it was in prime prime moments. But he's he's so clutch, dude. Yeah, Finals MVP. Great guy. I love it, yeah. Iguodala. Uh, I just I, I question the health thing. Um, man, and that's fair. I I just so so I was started to bring up the 76ers. Like I just they've got to find someone that can score buckets. They just don't have that. I mean, they're three and seven of their last ten on a yeah. four-game losing streak. They're twenty-three and fourteen right now at fifth place in in the East, which is not terrible, but like it's way lower than we. we who would if I told you at the beginning of the year that Miami would be above Philly like midway through the season, you would have slapped me in the face. I would have right? called you a liar. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So it's just they're it's an okay record. It's not what they were supposed to be. Here, Boston was not supposed to be number two. Boston's like the third best team in the league right now. Yeah, um, they really are. But I think with Philly, to me, and I've started to really notice this, this team is built to beat the Bucks. But what I worry about in that way is, are we going to get there? Yeah, and they're built to beat the Bucks on the def- defensive end, not on the offensive end. Correct, but that's the idea yeah. is let me look at the size and – I mean, there's starting to be rumblings that Al Horford's not very happy. And, man, I feel like it takes a lot to make Al Horford unhappy. Yeah, dude. And I just I, I, I feel like they're... He play, he kept his mouth shut on OKC when he didn't get any touches because Russell Westbrook was ISO in the entire time. It's a good point. But I just... I, I see, at the end of the day, this Sixers team struggling. And I don't know that... The, I, I don't really know who they add here at the deadline that makes them... Like what? What shooter could they add? They need. I, I don't think that they they need more produ- productivity out of Joel Embiid. He needs to be more night in and what, night out. Like he'll have games where he'll just control Giannis and beat Giannis for all intents and purposes, and then he'll have games where he'll drop two points. Yeah, you know, like he he's just he needs to be more, more productive and he needs to be more night in and night out. And a lot of that is just how seriously do you take yourself whenever you're not on the court? I mean, that's a good point. So I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a big off the court kind of guy as far as yeah. how things go. I mean, do you think it's a discipline problem? I mean, Dwight Howard had that much problem so. too. Yeah. Yeah. Dwight Howard was like that. I mean, always like eating Skittles and crap like that. And while like, that's hilarious, it's bad for an NBA player's diet, you know, like, that kind of little discipline that matters the, about, you know, in being a professional athlete. Yeah. And I mean, he's, and also, he's averaging this year 24, uh, 12 and three. So like good, not great though. Yeah. I mean, from anybody else, you say that's great, right? Embiid has the talent yeah, well, yeah. that he should be up in the 27, 30 range. That, that's relative. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to take that from you. Um, I, I think, I can't not point the finger at Ben Simmons either. Yeah, absolutely not. As much as he's a 
absolute tear on the defensive end. And people don't realize how good he is on the defensive end because they're so busy looking at him on the offensive end. And also, dude, whenever he's in the open court, he he looks like a mixture between Jason Kidd and LeBron, dude. He's crazy in the open court. And in early, as a matter of fact, I need I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm pledging to this. I'm gonna have some early possession statistics for you next uh, time around, like okay. seven seconds within the shot clock for Ben Simmons and see what he looks like because he picks up mismatches and he'll just go in the post and just bully a little bitty guard when he picks up a mismatch in the in the transition. And he looks like a top-tier player whenever he's doing that. But whenever it slows down and it grinds down and you start looking at um, them in a half-court offense, you might as well have four people out there just because he can't do it. He's decent at making backdoor cuts, not as good as he needs to be to be effective in the half-court. For sure. And a lot of that's because he's not a threat outside, so you just tell whoever's guarding him, just keep your eye on him, don't let him backdoor cut you. Yeah. No, I mean, it's pretty simple. So, I mean, if... So is this a Brett Brown issue? Not really, right? Uh, I, 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 I'm pretty positive that another coach could get more out of Ben Simmons, and another coach could get more out of Embiid. Yeah. To be I, honest with you, I'd be, I'd be running a different offensive set for Ben Simmons for sure. But you, you run that thing where are we just trying to make this person that's one of our worst half court better, like, or do we maximize Embiid? Right. I would, like I said in our previous episode. Ben Simmons is elite whenever he's not setting a bad pick and he's on a, in a roll man. I think he averages like 1.2 points per possession whenever he's rolling and it's not a turnover. If you can just get him and say, Ben, stop setting bad screens. I don't care what you do. You're going to play the roll man here. He's elite because then what you have is who like have Josh Richardson run the pick and roll or have even Embiid has done it before on their team. And whenever he does, he does good. What you have is, you have Draymond Green, except for Ben Simmons is a better catcher than Draymond Green or a better passer than Draymond Green in the court with a mismatch, and then it's mm-hmm. just over, right? So that's how I would use Ben Simmons, and I would say you are going to have to do it, otherwise you're not going to be on this team, right? We're going to trade you. Yeah, I'd probably get fired for that, but I would make it happen, and I think that that's how you can best utilize him <laughs> is to get him to stop setting bad screens and play a role, man. Uh-huh. And I think that his efficiency, their offensive efficiency, would just shoot to the roof. Uh, the old George Carl effect. Yes. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm with you. I, I think, so I think no matter what happens, if they fall, we, we talked about this early in the season. My opinion hasn't changed. I know yours probably hadn't. If anything short of an Eastern Conference Finals uh, loses Brett Brown his job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, that's not really a question, right? Yeah. Here's the other thing that he's doing wrong. Philadelphia is currently 18 in the league. In How pace. old man of you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let me tell you Phil- what you're doing wrong, kid. <laughs> Philadelphia is currently 18 in the league in pace. That's horrendous for the team that you have. You need to be in the top 10 at least. Yeah. Because, dude, you've got a six foot 10 guy that can go rip down a board and then run at full bore the entire the entire court and run past people like LeBron used to and make the right pass. Like you've got to utilize that. You've got to use him as a big Jason kid. And Brett Brown has done a really bad job of that. So I would, I would, I think Brett Brown's just doing a horrible job of pacing them, using Simmons in the offensive flow. Like Embiid is so versatile in that he can knock down shot. He can score at three different levels. Like you can use him, and he's going to get his shot, and he's going to get thirty, however you want to. Like you got to make your other players around him better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, no, and you can do that. You can make up for deficiencies in teams, uh, in players by your system. Like right, 
Steve Kerr showed us how he made up for deficiencies all the time for Clay. He made up for deficiencies for Steph on the defensive end. Like that's good what, players make up for deficient or good coaches make up for players deficiencies. And Brett Brown's not doing that. Right. That's what Brad Stevens system does is it makes yeah. up for, you know, it's a very specific system. That's why Kyrie didn't work well in it. Yeah. You can't tell me that Marcus smart is a good offensive player, but he looks oh. good in Brett Brown's system and he fills a role. Right. You mean, uh, Steven. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no. Brett, Brad Stevens. Yeah. Dude, pretty close. Brett Brown and Brad Stevens are pretty like generic, you know, generic names. Made up names that you yeah. find in a book. Yeah. But I mean, it was Bad still book. it was still right to give Brett Brown a chance since he saw the process through to I try agree. to coach this team one more year, right? Is he he's is he just a developmental coach? Like we talked about Dantoni not being a developmental coach and a championship coach. Brett there's, Brown might be the opposite. There's a very good chance of that. And like yeah. you look at I mean, I think it's very fair that his job probably got saved by the fact that Colangelo was using burner accounts to tweet at players. Like, I think that's, I think that probably helped his case a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see the, the seeing it through, but I mean, one more year like this, you got to get him up out of there. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I just don't like him right now. Yeah. And dude, whoever does the NBA scheduling should be ashamed of themselves. So the, the Celtics go from uh, their next game. They they go to um, Philly on the second night of a back to back, and Philly's coming off two days rest. How do you let that happen? That's tough. Yeah, that's really tough. Like just in general, how do you let that? I know that shit happens all the time around the league, but that's just an example of one that's coming up. And yeah. it just, I mean, Boston's rolling right now, man. Enos Cantor looks really good. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Boston's going to win that game. I think Brad's motivational enough and good enough to say, hey, this is what it's going to be like in the playoffs. You want to you wanna, um, test what you're going to be like in the playoffs, you win this game. I really don't know what happens in a seven-game set against those two teams, but it'd be a hell of a series. Yeah, it would be a blast. Yeah, I mean, Jalen is kind of the truth, right? Dude, he's playing out of his mind, and he's looking like – like I had concerns about that contract whenever they first gave it to him. Everybody did, right? It's a steal. He's looking like it now, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love that. Gotta respect it. Would like, you take Jalen over Brandon Ingram? Jalen. Me too. Yeah. Brandon Ingram is talking like I, I, I don't know if you saw that quote. Oh yeah. He said, uh, I looked at these guys, like, how are these guys getting contracts before me? And he was talking about Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, and there was a Jason Tatum was the other one. It's like, my guy, there there's at least two of them in there that are better than you. Like, I get that you're playing out of your mind right now but you still have some major deficiencies defensively. Definitely. No, I mean, yeah. 100%. And I, I just don't know how that keeps up, but I mean, so far, so good. Yeah. So, man, I, so I was all three, those, all three of those guys, by the way, that I just named got contracts because of their work on the defensive end. Right. Go figure. Yeah. So it's almost, it. it <laughs> I talk about it all the time. It's just not that hard. <laughs> just have a balance of things as far as contracts go. Try to match up the best you can and go from there. Like that's, you know, basically kind of the opposite of what teams seem to do from time to time or all yeah. the time. Um, the interesting thing that I've kind of noticed, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot too, is just the odd disappearance of Kyrie. And the Nets were in town here the other night, I was telling you. And I mean, he didn't make the trip. And like, I guess he's dealing with like a strained calf or a strained hammy or something like that but man it seems convenient yeah he's i don't know what to do with Kyrie. um that team is better without him 
I think I texted you guys this. I've been watching Shea Gilgis Alexander a lot recently. Sure. I think I'm at the spot where I'm willing to give Shea Gilgis or I'm willing to take Shea Gilgis over the next two contracts. So that give me eight years over Kyrie. Next eight years, I'm taking Shea. Yeah. I think there's a higher upside at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know how married to basketball Kyrie is. Yeah. And it's, he's, let's be honest, he's a strange dude. He's a strange <laughs> dude, but he's, I don't think he's a competitor really. I think he thinks he is, but I don't know that yeah. he is. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I it's, know, I, it, it kind of feels like we're leading up to a, just a complete punting of this year. And he's just going to wait till Kevin Durant gets back. That's what he. That's exactly what he's doing. He just doesn't want to play without KD. Which I get, but bro, that's what you signed up for. Yeah. So, I, man, I just that team is significantly better without Kyrie on the court. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they played smash mouth ball with the Mavs the other night. The Mavs kind of blew it open at the very end, but I mean, they were. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's really good. He's good. Karis Levert's good. Karis Levert's really good. Yeah. Um, I mean they, that Joe, uh, Joe Harris is really good. Joe Harris is great, and then they're big with the with the fro. I can't even think of his name right now. Um, um, I'm blanking too. It's awesome hair though. Yeah, it's fantastic. Top, I can picture his face. I don't know what. Yeah, what top five hair for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm blanking on this name. I know. I, I'm I'm pissed at myself that I'm not remembering either. I'm pulling it up as we speak. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, oh. yeah. Tell me more about the game. So, oh yeah, so Torian. Uh, Prince is playing really well. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have to stop. Oh, Jared Allen. Good Lord, dude. I've, I'm going to quit the podcast. I know. Me too, dude. You I and I were in the, the exact same boat. Very balanced roster. <laughs> very defensive. Very, very like locked down. Like, Luca had some issues against them. They played kind of not dirty ball, but just very handsy ball and very, yeah. you know. You know, just more defensive ball, I guess. And I mean, they play good defense. Yeah, they do. And I just i I've watched them with Kyrie a lot, and I've seen them without. And I think they're better without. And I, I yeah, really, I agree. I wonder what this team's going to look like when you try to add Kevin Durant and Kyrie on the floor. Yeah, I, I talked about it in the offseason whenever this first happened, and I, I, I don't think there's an alpha personality on this team. I don't think there's a, a dude on this team that can garner the respect of his teammates enough to say, you get your, get your stuff together. Right. Um, Kyrie's not that guy. Kyrie's never been that guy. Durant Durant's has, really never been that guy either. He doesn't like, want to be bothered by it. He doesn't have to be. Yeah. He's, he's Kevin Durant. Whenever he's on the court is 99.9% of the time. It's the best player on the court, but he's not the LeBron James leader that he, that people generally expect out of a superstar. He's not Steph Curry that, just galvanizes teams. He's not Draymond who, who um, gets people to play way better than they are and, and directs traffic on the defensive end and on the offensive end either. Like he's just not a top tier leader. So I, I, this team doesn't have a leader on it to me like Deandre Jordan, but he's never struck me as that guy either. No, not really. Right. So you don't really have a veteran leader on this team. I just don't see that from Kyrie or Kevin. They've never proven to me that they can do it. I mean, look at whenever, Kyrie said a bunch of weird shit earlier on and you know so people were asking if KD was going to help him with it or whatever and he was like no yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> there's not a lot of love there it feels like yeah you know and I mean Kevin Durant gets his fair amount of shit I'll give him that but like he brings it on himself in a lot of ways and he knows that 
But he is not that kind of guy. I agree. And I I just, I know a lot of these guys are going to be gone at that point after this year and stuff like that. But like a lot of these guys are going to be here. Like Karis LeVert's a good player, but I don't know what that's going to look like with Kevin Durant on the floor. I mean, you can figure it out, I guess, but like. This Car- isn't Caris like- LeVert makes his own shot. He's not a catch and shoot guy, right? Right. Neither is Dinwiddie. Exactly. Joe Harris is, but and so you take a lot of those the ball out of those guys' hands, and I don't know. I just I worry about what the Nets did here. Yeah, I I don't I don't like it. Um, I don't. There's you can't just. I think we're learning more and more that you can't just take super superstars and throw them on the same team and then expect them to win a championship. Like it worked in Miami, yeah, and it worked in Golden State, but it's not probably not going to work with the Rockets. But- those teams um, were established before those superstars got there, and they knew yeah. how to plug them in and play. It what it's not just drop two guys onto a team and say, "Okay, figure it out." Yeah, and you had in Miami, you had one of the two best players of all time on that right. team. You know? Exactly. So, yeah, and pr- arguably, whenever he was in Miami, before he went back to Cleveland, the greatest teammate of all time. I, I think it's probably Steph now, but definitely. But regardless, like those are that's different than just plopping a couple guys on a team and hoping it works out. Yeah. And I think Agreed. that's really important to to keep in mind whenever you're kind of building these teams around things. So let me yeah. ask you this. As we come up on the deadline, is Kevin Love still going to be in Cleveland after he's been screaming at the GM? Dude, I would be <laughs> screaming at the GM too. I I'm I might be convinced that the Cavs GM or the Cavs legacy is worse than the Knicks. Dude, but okay, tell me more. Tell me more about that. So the the only reason why they have a championship in the last since they've been in the league is because they had the greatest player of all time they born in their to. backyard. Right. Right. That's the only reason why. And they almost messed that up because they went out and like they put all their chips on the table to go out and get Kevin Love, who dude, people forget that dude was averaging twenty four and fourteen in, in Miami or in Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Twenty four and fourteen, bro. That's crazy. And he knocks down threes. Like, his game isn't predicated on athleticism. So, him aging, he's only 31. He's in a prime. And his game isn't predicated on athleticism. He shouldn't be doing as poorly as he's doing. Um, and there's nobody else on that on that court with him either. It's not like he's giving up reps to LeBron and Kyrie anymore. He's doing poorly. And you watch him play. He still makes – he's still an amazing, amazing passer like he always was. He's still a great, great rebounder. But he's not a focal point of that offense. Like they don't run an offense that's designed for him. They run they run a motion offense that's designed for everybody, and he gets points out of that. Right. Right. So they're not doing a lot of pick and pops with him. They're not doing a lot of post ups for him. They're not doing sets that are designed for him like they did in Minnesota. Um, I would be mad if I were if I was him too. And they've essentially said we're going into rebuilding mode, but we still have this superstar on our team. Call it what you will. I'm giving him yeah. that superstar might be a little bit. We still have an all-star on our team. We're going to go into rebuilding mode with an all-star. Okay. I'd be mad too. And I'd want out too. Here's the thing, dude. So I'm with, I understand all that. And what Kevin Love is mad about is that they promised, even with LeBron leaving, that they were intended to compete. They're not doing that. Too, yeah. Right. I right. get that. Here's the other side of that. That's what happens when you sign up for a five-year, $150 million contract. Mm -hmm. You put your name on that piece of paper, you're there. And the problem ends up being that if a team decides to go a different direction, too bad, so sad, pal, because he's still got three years left on that deal at $30 million per. I wouldn't want that deal for anything. He's not worth that. 
And at the end of the day, like the team's got to do what they've got to do. And it's th- that's on you, dude, because you signed that deal. Look at what LeBron has done. LeBron's probably made slightly less money, but made up for it in a shoe deal or whatever by signing three year deals or one and ones with, you know, with the op- the player option on the second year. He's done more of that to make sure that he remains where things are okay and in a good situation more than anybody else has. And it's led the way to those shorter term deals. When you sign five years, 150 million, that's what you get. Yeah. And that I I get where he's coming from, but like just because a team decides to go to rebuild mode when, I mean, like you said, they happen to be lucky to have had the best player of all time, or, you know, one of the best players of all time grow up in their backyard and be loyal to the organization. But like you believed them, and that's on you. And if you you should have put opt outs into that deal in some place and taken a little bit less money instead of a max deal to to make sure that down the road you're set up. And that's what player empowerment to me is about is is having control of your own destiny in the future. And he gave that up for money. Yeah. So like I don't really feel that bad for him. I and, and uh, to the same point, I view Kevin Love as a good guy. He looks like an asshole for being out yelling at the at the GM on the court. I don't I don't think that I've ever seen anybody as fed up on the court as Kevin Love is. Boy, right would now. we have loved to have like seen he's the, walking around. Right. No, I'm but boy would we have loved to have seen the Jimmy Butler meltdown at practice. Yeah. But that was at practice. But he was at least trying. Yeah. Taking the third string and beating that beating the best teams, right? Um that but yeah, it just it feel I, I get I get the frustration and everything, and, and maybe he will get moved. Maybe they'll just decide to eat half the contract and move him. I don't know. I mean, you almost have to move him. I don't think you can keep him there, but you're going to eat a lot of that deal. Yeah. You're I not going to get much back for him because it's a lot of salary to take on. Yeah, so who who do you think is – have you heard any names in, in regards to prospective buyers of Kevin Love? Well, where he would work perfectly is in Boston, but I'm all set on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all set on that. Yeah. Uh, he's not a he's not a rim protector. He gets some boards. He, he gets some, some boards, boards though, for sure, and that's what yeah, they and, need. Yeah, and he'll knock down threes, and that's what Brad Stevens is built upon. Yeah, I could see. I don't know. I, I, his game is really versatile, but I, yeah, I mean, is. the Lakers don't have anything. But putting him next to LeBron again would, would be best case scenario. But they don't have. Boy, yeah, they can't, boy would that be scary? Good God! Right. Um, see, I just I, based on what his value is and like teams with need i don't i mean man that's so much salary to take on for three more years yeah or two more years there's, there's really this year to me there's teams that are top tier and uh and in a really good spot to win it and they none of them can really take on kevin love right so th- those guys for me are bucks i'll put boston there um and i don't know how they would i guess Cantor and Robert Williams for Cantor, Robert Williams, and then someone else to make the money work. Money work that might end up getting rid of Marcus Smart. Actually, would no, you do that? They, no, dude, I wouldn't. No, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. I wouldn't give up that much for him. Not with the money they're taking on. What about what about Marcus Smart and Cantor? I think that that's probably going to be pretty close on the money. I don't know. I don't have it in the trade machine or anything. No, I don't think so because of the defense. Yeah. I mean the def- Marcus Smart defense is so important to that team. It's super important. So I don't I don't really foresee unless I'm really missing something. I'll play around with the trade machine, but I don't really f- foresee Kevin Love going to any of the top tier four play- four teams, so- which will go Lakers, Clippers, which is a huge slide to the Nuggets, and I realize that. And I'm sorry, Nuggets fans. 
uh, Boston and um, and the Bucks. I don't I don't see Kevin Love going to any of those teams, and I don't see any other team being hoisted into those top teams, save the Nuggets by getting Kevin Love. Depending upon they, what they have to have to give up, Paul Millsap for Kevin Love that might be, that might make the money work. But Kevin Love with Jokic might be a weird thing. I don't know how I like it. I think you can plug anybody beside Jokic and it'll be fine. And I, I just threw it in the trade machine and this it says this trade is successful. So here's here's the pluses for for Denver. I think you immediately get better and Kevin Love, because uh, the thing that Denver does well is they pass in their bigs, right? Paul Millsap's a fantastic passer. He's a better defender than Kevin Love, not a better rebounder, um, not a better shooter than Kevin Love. Kevin Love's probably just as equal of his equal as a passer. Kevin Love's a great passer for a big. So Denver, I think, immediately gets better. Cleveland receives Paul Millsap back on zero years on that contract left. So, that's so they get rid of him at the end of the year. I think this is a win-win. What's that con what's that Paul Millsap contract? 30 million. 350,000, but it's his last year on it. Kevin Loves is 28.9. He's got four more years on it. Four? Four more, dude. Pass, dude. dude. Pass. No way. Pass. You're not taking that? (laughs) I thought it was like two. (laughs) Here's the deal, though. Actually, it might be two left. Hold up. It says four years on there. It was a five-year deal originally. I know that. Yeah, he just signed it like... Yeah, he's got at least three more years. (laughs) I think it might be four, though. This is telling me four, but that doesn't seem right. But... They immediately get get better, and they immediately. I think they're immediately in title contention if they get Kevin Love. That helps them for sure. I'm I'm settling this once and for all. Yes, he has. Well, so he has. Yeah, basically three full seasons left after this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm saying it, dude. It's like Cleveland. If you're listening, Kobe Altman. If you're listening, Denver. I don't even know the name of your GM, but if you're listening. <laughs> Like you guys need to get together and make this happen because it makes both it's both of you what you want. Dude, thirty per is so much money to me though. That is a lot for so much longer too. And like, so I don't know what's gonna ha- I don't know what's gonna happen with like, you know, Porter and you know you're gonna have guys to pay down the road. Jokic, you're gonna have to pay. I mean, you know, there's a lot that's gonna have to go in there. I, I don't know. I I, I would have pause on that i get why it works for both sides though that's yeah, for sure yeah all right i we'll, i think it's 100 percent. gotta we'll make it happen we'll send the you interns to, and the pigeons out to let them know yeah you've got Jokic through oh dude i'm making this happen bro i'm about to start calling people you've already locked up Jokic and jamal murray and you got porter on his rookie contract through 2022 that's when kevin love would fall off the books too this is a, this is a win-win bro this is the best trade I am saying it right now. If we don't see this blockbuster trade, blockbuster trade go through, get rid of both of those GMs, bro. This is this is what got has has to happen. I, I'm not ready to put Kevin Love in the blockbuster trade category. I don't blockbuster. Know. He's going to average 25 and 14 like he did in mini. If you get him on that Timberwolves team, could you imagine? That Timberwolves what? team stunk somehow. I do not. <laughs> JJ Barea was playing the point, dude. That was a wild team. Yeah, you had Rubio there still. God Almighty! All right, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here on that note. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening. Kyle Beats will be back with us next week, and uh, yeah, we'll have more as we come towards the trade deadline. We'll be talking about a lot of stuff. I think we'll do live show on the night of the trade deadline, so should be good stuff. Take it easy, man. Wait. See you, man.